The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another um, episode of the Block Talk podcast with me, Brian Welsh and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. Um, it's a nice crisp morning and I'm looking forward to going to a 70s and 80s night this weekend, actually. So heading up north, um, getting my, my leg warmers on and partying the night. So yeah, good. <laughs> I'm good. Excellent. How are you? Yes, I'm very well. I am very well. Um, in the actually cold south today, actually, it's um, it's a bit chilly and rainy. So, um, okay, so today um, we're delighted to be talking to Lorraine McDonald, owner of Spears Gumley. Lorraine has worked in the industry since 1989, so I'm guessing that means she started when she was 10 years old. Is that about right, Lorraine? I actually, Brian, have skipped a whole job. I... <laughs> Um, I joined Spears Gumley in 1989. Ah, right, okay. Uh, um, and I'd previously been working in another managing agent for about another eight years. So I've actually been in the industry for uh, 42 years. Wow, wow, so that's right. amazing. I did join when I was 10. <laughs> um. and so I've known Lorraine for, oh, what, is it 23, 24 years? About that? No, I probably, probably about that. Yeah. So I so, think you're ten. Yes, yes, yes. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Probably, probably. So, so uh, Lorraine was my first client for the company I used to work for, and in fact, um, was the Spears Gumley were the first. Um, we wrote our first system for Spears Gumley. So, um, so yeah, we've known each other for many, many years. So it's great to have her on. Um, so, just a few years in the property management industry, Lorraine. Tell us about your time in it. Um, do you know, it's um, it's been challenging to say the least um, because it is a very challenging industry. I'm actually just, Brian, honestly remembering going back to when I did first actually meet you and, and the system that you put in. And, and what, was it written in COBOL or something? Is it was that, written in COBOL. It was written in COBOL, you are correct. Sorry, I just had to clarify that to see whether my memory is still working because I'm getting really old. Well, to be fair, it's only old people that write in COBOL now. And I still actually do do it very occasionally. I still oh, do it anyway. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Anyway. So, yes, no, um, yeah, been in the business a long, long time. Despite being in the business a long time, I still have so much to give um, because it is such a, a challenging industry. It's an industry that works really hard to offload the, the reputation Um that we have, um, which in sometimes and, and a lot of times is actually poor. Um, one, one of the main reasons for that, um, and I constantly tell the staff this, is that we manage properties that are multiple ownership properties. So, you know, you can have a flatted development with 500 flats in it or 300 flats in it. And if you can imagine, you'll probably have 30 or 40 different agendas within each development. Um, therefore, you can only please... A certain number of owners and other owners are unhappy that theirs isn't higher up on the agenda. 
Um, and it's a constant, a constant, constant battle um, trying to strike the balance with clients. Um, and it's not necessarily getting any easier. It's actually going to be a bit more demanding. Um, so yeah, it has. It's had its. It's had its challenges, but despite that, and after 40 odd years, I'm still determined more than ever um, to make sure that property management is recognised as a, a good service supplied to clients and a necessary service that should be recognised as such. Um, and there's still some to do. I might be able to see a massive achievement by the time I retire. Um, I don't know, a massive change rather. By the time I retire, I'm not quite sure. We'll need to wait and see. <laughs> Okay, but striving for it anyway. Oh, totally, yeah. And then don't get me wrong, I do see changes. I do see clients recognise a bit more of what we do um, in, uh, in the business. Um, but there's still a long way to go. There's still this, like, um, you know, there's still this assumption that um, we, we get a percentage off of every contractor and, that um, the, you know, we're in the contractor's back pockets and things like that, which is a thing that constantly bugs the living daylights out of me. I've never done it in my entire life, never have, never will. Um, and any business I've worked for has been the same. And now winning Spears Grumley, um, I'm really particular um, about that, making sure that clients realise that there's no benefit to us using contractors. We're only using these guys to try and get the best level of service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood, understood. So, so we mentioned forty-two years in the in in the industry. What what got you into it? What what? And I know you, you said you worked for someone for for eight years prior to Spears Gumley. But what uh, what made you enter the industry? And do you know, if I'm being honest, it was absolutely by default. Um, I um, I originally wanted to do one of two things. One was be a PE teacher, or the other was to be a police woman. Um, Unfortunately, in the years gone by, <laughs> um, height was a restriction to join the police. Right. So I was too small to qualify to join the police. I kept thinking that by the time I got to the age where I had to do all the tests and things like that, that I would have grown. But unfortunately, I only grew outwards and not upwards. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I didn't really qualify for the police. And, and then um, didn't get the qualifications necessary to go to college or uni to become a PE teacher. So um, basically got a job as an office junior in Ross and Little um, all those years ago. Um, so it was by default, it wasn't by choice. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting though. Interesting. I, I've never heard the story about the police before. Mm. So, but I know you're, I know you're into your sport because you're, you're a good tennis player, aren't you? Well, do you know that's it? Uh, yeah, I've always loved playing tennis and, and have been a massive advocate of allowing, getting the opportunity for kids to be able to play sport because I came from a place called Priest Hill and Pollock. Okay. And it was a really, really poor area. But even despite being a poor area, I could make my way to three different tennis courts, sets of tennis courts around where I lived. Um, uh, which was brilliant. Um, we used to play in pitch dark, climb the fences and all that kind of stuff to be able to just keep playing on. We parky would lock us in uh, because they had to lock the gates and we're like, fine, it's okay, we'll climb over. Um, so to be able to do that was just amazing. But now, um, or more recently, they, they used to they shut up the tennis courts to make BMX tracks and various things like that. And there's just not enough tennis courts around. So... I've been a big advocate of trying to get tennis courts reopened and we were successful through um, the Judy Murray Foundation to get tennis courts in the East End of Glasgow. 
um, and um, and also now we're quite influential in getting tennis courts in Maryhill. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Which is great. So, so the, the point of that is that I mean, a lot of the time I played played in the street, but even coming from a really poor area, I still had access to tennis courts, and you know, we all loved it. Yeah. And I knew around about me just love playing tennis. You wouldn't think that from an area um, like Priest Hill. And we used to get our tennis rackets. I'll tell you where we get our tennis rackets. <laughs> My best pal's dad worked in the cleansing department and he used to get the tennis rackets from the, the rich people that threw them out. So wow. <laughs> I've just remembered that now, but that's how we used to get the tennis rackets. <laughs> We should we should have a game one day. I I I think we've been saying that for a few years. I'm not. I, I enjoy it, but I'm not actually that very that good at it. So, uh, no, Brian, you yeah. and I end up talking about the bloody net half the time. So, yeah, we don't catch up that often. And when we do catch up, we go to meet about something, and then it's only about the last five minutes. Like, right, okay, you know what? Actually, let's chat about uh, what we came together for. So, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It'd be good though. I'm I. I I only play two sports. So tennis, I haven't played for a long time. My kids love tennis. Love and actually, it. actually, I've got a tennis court just along the road from, from me. And my, but I, my other love is golf, and I'm really not very good at that either. But, uh, but I enjoy it, you know. But you know, I did try golf. I did, uh, I did kind of, I, I tried golf, um, and um, went to my sister got my golfing lessons. Went to before getting one of the lessons, my neighbour says, "Lorraine, I'll take you up to the." The driving range in between this in between like the kind of in the golf course the section in the middle which is a driving range um so i went up and and i hit a few balls the first ball i hit went past this tree and my neighbor looked at me and i'll never forget that she looked at me as if she's at it um and i i, I said what is it she went you've just hit that ball past that tree that her husband has been trying to hit the ball past in years and couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, that was just luck. That was just luck. I have another go. So I had another go and hit it again. And she's like, oh my God, you should be taking up golf. And I was like, no, I don't think I can imagine doing that. So anyway, we then decided to go and hit a couple of, couple of not rounds, a couple of holes uh, in the golf course. I swear to God, I couldn't do it. <laughs> See that? <laughs> there wasn't, it wasn't active enough for me. I was like, oh my God, I've got to walk to find this ball and I've got to do this and the next thing. I thought, not for me, Brian. So I'm not a, I'm not a kind of golfer. But whereas I'd play tennis about three, four times a week if I could get away with it and if I could get the time. Yeah, no, fabulous, fabulous. Um, so um, we've discussed this before, and um, and during COVID, you didn't put any of your staff on furlough. You didn't use the furlough scheme at all. Can you tell us? Can you tell? And, and, and you know, a lot of companies did. Um, you know, so do you want to tell us a bit more about that? Well, do you know, I, I, do you know, whether you believe it or believe it not, I thought. We're just going to be getting into really, really tough times. And the last thing that people need is for there not to be a service in terms of the management of their property. So the last thing we needed is gardeners not going out to do the gardens and cleaners not going out to do the cleaning. Um, so we were busier than ever negotiating with people to continue to do their contracts, following the guidelines, making sure that um, you know, the contractors understood the fact that, yeah, they were allowed to go out as long as they were out in fresh air, they were considered to be essential workers um, and essential for people's mental health, actually. You know, the last thing we needed was grass growing up to people's knees and the cleaning not getting carried out at a time when cleanliness was vitally important. Um, and, and also from uh, the staff's um, position as well, where I wanted to make sure they were kept active every day and working every day and dealing with clients every day. So, for me, I just did not want a break in the service, and I was absolutely convinced 
that as long as we kept things going and we kept the service going as much as we physically could, um, that we would come out of this in a better place. And I genuinely believe we have come out in a better place. We are, you know, clients have recognised it, um, that we've been there. In fact, only last week, one of the members of staff was at um, an AGM. And um, and it was mentioned that the, there was no break in the service. They were absolutely astonished. How did we manage to do it? Actually genuinely inquiring as to how we managed to operate the switchboard as, as normal, only for the girl to say, well, it was actually in the middle of um, the owner's hall. Um, the switchboard was there um, and, and operating from there. And we actually managed to keep the business going. And, and the fact that we were already well ahead of the game and that on the day the lockdown came, we had everyone working at home. Everyone was working at home. There was no waiting for laptops. There was no waiting for connections. We were all working from home. And that was down to someone you know very well, actually, Brian Arlene, um, who's our IT uh, guru. Um, she was absolutely fantastic. And with me and, and her and, and a group of the other guys, we worked till God knows when, making sure systems were up and running and people were ready to go. Um, so we were we were really really well prepared for it. Um, so genuinely, I, I I just didn't want to see a drop in the service. I didn't want to yeah. see a drop in the service for everyone's sake, for the staff's sake, for the client's sake, for our sake. It was hard, hard, hard going trying to keep them motivated. Zoom calls every other day. Um, do you know, I used to make a point of trying to speak to some to the members of staff. You know, at least once every couple of weeks for me personally. Um, mm-hmm. Even that was, you know, hard work, but you just had to do it. Um, and I do, do genuinely believe that we've come out of it um, in, in a, not in a better position. I just mean we've not, we're not chasing our tail. We're not dealing with negativity from clients because they knew we were there at the end of the phone or at yeah. the end of the house. Yeah. And if I'm even more honest, the, the thought never even crossed my mind to put staff onto the furlough scheme. It's just yeah. never crossed my mind. So that's yeah. maybe it's just a different different attitude. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Excellent. Um so so let's talk about your kind of the the, the past 42 years again. Um most <laughs> challenging aspect of your time in property management. And 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 also what, what's the biggest change you've seen as well? Yeah, I think the, the most challenging thing is actually just trying to change the attitude of clients uh, and, okay. and, and, and it's still a challenge i said that at the beginning yeah in the chat, brian you know like no matter uh, you know what spears gunley could be the best property managers out there but as long as there's other property managers that are maybe not quite doing the right things or or whatever then we'll still continue to be tarred with the same reputation so it's an up an uphill struggle um so i would say that that's still that's been the most challenging thing and still remains the most challenging thing um, and probably the biggest thing to happen in property management is probably the Property, property Factors Act. Yeah. Um, you know, that was that was a fairly major change. Um, the reality, though, is that it's just made most of the good property managers pull up their socks and, and become uh, a bit more efficient. It hasn't really got rid of rogue factors or whatever the case may be because um, – I think I told you the story, Brian, about how, you know, I, I went to fill up the fit and proper test to become a property manager, and, and I kept trying to phone the Scottish government to say I can't get to the next page. Where is the next page in this? And they're saying there's only one page. I was like, you're joking. And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This is incredible. Um, so, you know, 
that's fine, and that's just that's the way it was implemented by the by the Scottish government. But as a result, you know, there was a lot of tightening up um, to take place, um, mm -hmm. and for others, I mean, there really wasn't a great change in terms of what we were doing already. The biggest change for us was the first tier tribunal. So you know, like having to deal with a tribunal. Yeah. Um, listen to cases, some of which are vexatious and not recognised by the first year tribunal. Yeah. So that's been the biggest change whereby you, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that we have to do um, for that, um, some unnecessarily so, and some, of course, are justified. Um, mm. But you, you tend to find that you would let it go to a tribunal if it's justified. Um, you, you need to defend your position sometimes. So. Oh. That, I would say, has probably been the biggest change in, in yeah. property management. Um, and we're just going through another one where they've just up, uh, updated the... Uh, they went through another consultation in yeah, relation yeah. to the Property Factors Act. And again, that was rolled out in August uh, of this year. Yeah, so the first one was a big... The, you know, back in 2011, yeah. 2012, that was, a, that was a big change. Is the, is the oh. one that's just gone through, do you see that as a, a, a another big step or is it really just a kind of... It's more or less just a, a further development of the right, existing okay. um, Property Factors Act. You know, there were, were some changes to it that made, maybe make an impact. Um, but in the world of paperless just now, um, you know, if you have to supply clients with a copy of their policy every year, then if it's paperless, great. It's, we now just need to encourage more and more clients to become paperless. You still, yeah. this is an industry where, and people tend to forget this, Brian, always remember, you'll know the PMAS conferences and, uh -huh. and whatnot, and there was one years and years ago, I don't know if you were involved in it at the time, where um, Leslie Riddock was um, the moderator. Uh -huh. And we had a chat and they were talking about, you know, how you can keep your clients updated and with portals and, and things like that. And Brian, this must be, oh, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And I remember like, kind of walking around the, the room, uh, you know, saying to people, do you know, um, I mean, like Amazon are great. You, you can track your parcel, you can track this, and sometimes I'll go on and say, well, where is it? What's happened? And, you know, and you can go onto a computer and do that, and, and yada, yada, yada. And of course, the staff are trying to give an explanation as to why sometimes it's it's really difficult. Um, and I eventually had to inter intercept and say, we have a substantial number of clients that are elderly. Mm -hmm. And probably, you know, seven or eight years ago, Brian, wouldn't they have an email address? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I said, so we have to deal with things in a different way because we're dealing with across the boards, like young people that have bought flats to elderly people that have stayed in flats, the same flat all their life, you know, and 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 just prefer to communicate with paper. Mm -hmm. um, and and so it was it was incredible actually that it was almost like poo poo the fact that people would want to write a letter in or that people wouldn't have like a means of uh, doing things on their computers and things like that. So you have to have that balance and you actually have to understand that there are people who just don't want to do things on computers. Yeah. And so we have to accommodate that as much and not necessarily penalise them too much. We are doing something just now where we're saying, right, okay, we're trying to not increase management fees just now because we recognise that having come through COVID, Furlough stops, so people might now. This might now be the time when people fall on, on fall on difficult times. So we have to be conscious of that and, and empathetic mm -hmm. to that. But in the meantime, there's lots and lots of people that are agreeing to do things paperless or whatever, and we're still having to do things on paper. So we're trying to encourage these clients as much as we possibly can 
to, to even create email addresses or whatever so that we can stop all the paper. And especially in the middle of COP26, you become so much more aware of mm-hmm. what you're doing day to day that we're really trying to encourage more and more people to do it. But you can't force people to do it. You still yeah. need to have the means in which to be able to communicate with people, you know, in paper. Yeah, I mean, when you've got as many when you've got as many clients as you've got, I guess that you know the segmentation of that that client base is is bound to be anything from you know twenty years of age to ninety years of age. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, um, and it, and it's again, it's all about striking that balance and 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 not decrying these people because they don't have email addresses and are not prepared to get things paperless. It's just yeah. their way, and you just yeah. have to accept that. And, and make, instead, make them feel as if they're um, aliens, which is um, is not the, is not the case. So we're kind of yeah. really, really big into paperless as well, Brian. That's one of the things that's also again has been a big change. Is trying to think a wee bit differently about how we can, and it's quite pertinent that we're doing this chat during COP um, COP twenty six um, because, as you know, we've moved into a new office. Yeah. Um, we don't have one of the first things we did was all of the recycling. Everywhere there's recycling everywhere um, in our bins, and you know we, we discourage any level of printing whatsoever. You know we don't. We've got hot, cold, fizzy water taps so people can get a drink. They've got containers that they're allowed to have them in as no paper cups. Yeah. Any longer. There's a whole lot of stuff that we're trying to do to to you know like do our bit basically. Yeah. Uh, okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. So so we covered the the kind of. Um, a wee bit of the last 42 years. So what what about right now? What do you think the more, most important aspect of property management is is now and for the next couple of years? Um, you know, for me, it's just more focus on customer service. Yeah. Um, really, an awful lot more focus on customer service. And property management, people learn this job from us, from the oldies. Um, and we, we've become a bit intolerant. <laughs> no, not intolerant. But we're, we're so old in the teeth. We need to. There needs to be new ways to to train these guys, to be able to deal with the difficulties that there are um, in the industry. And the, and the very thing that I'm telling you about about the the expectations that clients have and and the raising of their expectations. You know that, that it's that it's just incredible now what people now expect from the property manager. Um, and it's how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? And we recently sent out a, a leaflet to a client. I think in February actually where we had to take a step back and say we need to get something across to the clients to say we're trying to help, we're trying to do our level best, mm-hmm. but can you just respect what's both ways? Can yeah. you please yeah. respect that we're trying to work through difficult times um, and that we're not, you know, that you get people phoning up and saying, you know, I'm still getting water ingress in and there's nothing happening and we're going through a storm. Now, it could be that half the owners in that property aren't paying to get the repairs done. Yeah. So, so this is a vital thing that people need to understand in property management, that the agent is not the bank. Yeah. The agent yeah. acts on behalf of all of the other owners. All of the other owners have to pay to have repairs carried out to their property. And if people are not prepared to pay, we can't instruct repairs. So, and, and, and I often say this to clients, that maybe I'm dealing with a complaint, where I would say, do you think we want to get half a dozen phone calls every time there's water? Or there's rain coming in. If we could fix this, we would fix this. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like trying to flip it to say to the clients, we're not deliberately holding back and wanting you to get water ingress. We would fix it if we could, but some of your neighbours aren't paying to get these repairs carried out. 
and it's trying to you know educate them and what we do and what our role is and i get that it's really difficult because they're sitting there with water coming in and 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 spears grumley as a company will do everything we possibly can you know and in some cases if it's not a great deal of money potentially underwrite it till we get the money from the clients or get the other clients to pay the share for the owner that's not paying there's lots of different things we do. I've got a great relationship with Glasgow City Council who do the missing share scheme, whereby uh -huh. they will underwrite some of it if we get a majority. So that everywhere, every which way but loose that we can try and get things off the ground, we will. But there are sometimes circumstances where we can't. And I think, again, it's getting staff trained and how best to explain that to clients. Mm -hmm. I've years and years of experience. I own the business. So I could probably say a bit more than a member of staff could feel they could say. So I believe customer service is the big thing for me going forward and it'll be a big focus for us. Excellent, excellent, brilliant. Okay, well, that's that. That's brilliant. That's all the questions I have. But Jax, Jax has three what she calls our quirky questions that she asks everyone at the end. So oh Jax, over to you. <laughs> yeah, so this will be good. Jax, Here we go. <laughs> um, hi, Lorraine. So um, what's your biggest failure across your entire 42-year career and what did you learn from it? Um. Do you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big, I don't really look back, and, and this sounds like a cliche and it's not genuinely, because I did see this question and I thought, failure, what have I failed in? Well, actually, um, do you know, I used to sing, uh, I still do sing, um, but I used to actually sing um, in clubs and pubs, um, do a lot of competitions, mm. do a lot of shows and things like that. Um, and and my, I, it wasn't actually my failure because I used to win all the bloody competitions. It was brilliant. Cool. So used to used to do a lot of these competitions and what, and then, and then decided that the world of property management wasn't for me. Um, and the previous company that I worked in, um, somebody was promoted, and I thought, oh dear goodness, no, 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 I don't want to be part of this. Um, and I resigned and decided to go into um, to go into the music industry full-time oh. um, and then literally two weeks before that happened I got a phone call from one of the partners Hamish McFarlane actually um, to see if I would join I wanted to come for an interview and join Spears Drumley so I did um, and um, so whether it was a failure or whether it was just something I failed at or not because I joined Spears Drumley and I own Spears Drumley so it's not really a failure, but in terms of in terms of that career, I suppose it was a failure. And what I learned from it is I probably would never have succeeded in much, as much in singing as I have in property management. <laughs> maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's a good a good um, example to use. Um, um, so anyway, so, so where did you sing? Where where were your which pubs and clubs were you? Well, do you know the Horseshoe Bar now is bar, is, right. is the bar that used to, that, that literally had the most amazing keyboard player um, play in it, a guy called Andy Boyle, and then they used to you know go and Alan McPike, who's just phenomenal. He ended up being the guy that would do my shows and things like that. So, um, but the Horseshoe Bar was the one that probably won most competitions. Oh, okay. Um, and then we used to put shows on in Ivory Blacks and and things like you know. Places now you don't get to go to. There's really uh, um, places where you can say in town, "Oh, I'm going to go to this pub because there's great singers on in it, or whatever." It's just and there was 
In that era, which was many, many years ago, there were some fantastic and amazing singers doing about the circuit at that time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't a failure. It was just, um, I loved it. And, and I yeah. still do, I still do love singing um, and will actually do another show um, in due course. I usually now do them for charity. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, and, it's, and, and you know, it's, there's nothing like music um, to help you go through the life of a property manager. Um, <laughs> so even though I don't sing, I still sing in a car little, and I'm one of these people that you'll sit next to and look at and think, dear God, what are they doing? <laughs> um, so anyway, so yeah. Have you got a favourite song? Have you got a, something I go to? No, do you know, I, I don't, see, because I just have, I love all sorts of different types of music and whatnot. Um, I really don't, but just now, my big thing is Hans Zimmer. I just can't see. See, I, I'm, I go to Kenmore um, on a regular basis, um, you know, uh, and for a couple of days break, um, and I get to this mountain at a place called Amory, and I switch my, my music to Hans Zimmer, um, especially Pirates of the Caribbean and things like that. You know, if, you don't, if you don't know it, you should listen oh. to it. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's okay. so good. Oh, nice. Good. Cool. Thank you. Um, so the next quirky question is, if you ruled the world for a day, what would you do? Oh, dear God. What would I do? <laughs> if I ruled the world? Do you know, I, 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 if, if, it, if this was a competition, I would be like, oh, I would, I would end the poverty and, um, you know, um, make sure we preserve the, the, the world for... Uh, the youngsters coming up. Um, I think that would be the, the stop <laughs> PC answer. Um, frankly, um, do you know, Craigie, who would know what you'd do if you could rule the world for a day? Um, you'd like to get rid of all the corruption. You would like to get rid of um, poorly run in fact, in Britain, if I was to rule Britain, I'd sack all of the bloody keys <laughs> at the moment. So, uh, yeah, so, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a difficult question for me to answer. I, I, I just I just don't know. There's just so many things you could do in yeah. the world. Um, um, but you'd have to do something to make a massive... There's lots and lots of things that you could immediately do that would make an impact. Um, yeah. But actually, all I would do is just start at Scotland first. And then I'd go to the UK and rule the UK, and then I would rule the world. So I'd yeah. start at Scotland first, and I'll not tell you what I'd do there, but anyway, um, <laughs> we'll leave that. We'll, we'll do that one offline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool, so you need a few days then. You need a few days, not just one. Oh, crikey, we've made a few years. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, um, so, so when you're seventy, so um, and, and many, 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 many years to come, and you look back at your life, what will you be glad you did or feel proud of? Either something you've done already, or something that you still want to do. Um, do you know, feel proud of. I actually am quite proud of what I've managed to achieve in Spears Gumley. Do you know, like, Spears Gumley used to have something like 14 male partners in the business. Wow. Um, and and I now own it um, as the only female that was actually in that business. <laughs> so I feel proud of that. Um, well done, yeah. I think that's been a, um, a massive achievement. I don't think about it that often, if I'm absolutely honest with you. It's, 
it's only when I get asked questions like this or when people talk to me about, you know, what's happened in my life that I come to realise that, oh, my God, this is actually massive. Um, yeah. And um, I am, in, in, when, I, when I get the time to think about it, um, I'm incredibly proud of it. I think my friends and family are more proud of it than me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I'm also really proud of the fact that I, my, my wee mother had like seven kids and looked after us and, and I looked after her until um, she passed away. So I'm particularly proud of that as well. Oh, good. That's nice. Um, and what was, that, what was the other thing, you know, something you've done or want to do? Still tons to do. Tons and tons and tons. <laughs> Change the world of property management. Um, and I, I still want to, you know, I think there's lots and lots of people could do a lot more um, in terms of you know, people that run successful businesses should do a lot more for the community and for, for um, you know, underprivileged kids and things like that. There's a lot, there's a lot more that can be done in that respect, and there's a lot more for me to do going forward in that respect as well. Interesting. Cool. Thank you. That's absolutely brilliant, Lauren. Thanks. Thanks very much for that. Thanks for coming on. It's been a. It's been great to talk to you, and um, we need to grab a beer or dinner at some point before absolutely. the end of the year. Yeah. On, on you, Brian. Oh, oh as always. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure ever is. I will definitely pay this time though. Okay. okay right. Okay. Listen. Great. Great. Thank you for coming on, and, and, oh, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, listeners will be really interested in this stuff you've had to say. Thank you.